All right. Our scripture this morning is Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build, who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. The word of the Lord. So each week we say, after we read the scripture, the say some version of, this is God's word, the word of the Lord. We do that specifically because we're not, just isn't a poem. This isn't something we're reading for um, just enlightenment or education. We're, we're listening to this word that God delivered to us. Um, some people, if you grew up in a liturgical background, you may hear the response. Some people say the word of um, the word of the Lord, thanks be to God, is just sort of a way for us to to echo and to respond to that. But more than that, it's just a way to remind us that this is a divine revelation. This morning, uh, as we end 2017, as we begin 2018, I want to take this opportunity to look at this Psalm 127 before we're going to begin a series on the book of Job, No, no Groans. Thank you. Series on the book of Job next week. But as we end 2017, I want to look at this psalm. And I, I want to do it. I'm going to do some particularly um, personal sharing this morning about where this church is, what we're, what may be ahead of us in the next year or two, and where I am. Um, also, I, I the, my custom is to ask the Lord at the end of the year. I, I have a journal, many journals actually, but this journal that I write in as I have time with the Lord. And uh, at the end of the year, it's my custom to just ask if there's a word God might give that would be maybe appropriate for more than just me. So at the end, I'll be sharing something I feel like might be for others in our body. So it's going to be a little bit of an eclectic hodgepodge, but um, just bear with me. So I really appreciate many of you have been praying for the leadership of this church, for the elders and others who have been gifted. We were gifted a piece of land. Um, someone in our body felt that the Lord prompted them to give the resources for and to actually purchase uh, Living Hope, a gift of, of property of six and a quarter acres down Route 15. Uh, but we didn't want to just make the assumption that because that was a call on someone's heart that that was the Lord. We wanted to go to the Lord. And we felt the leadership really felt compelled that we need to go to the Lord. And so we asked you to pray. And, and many of you I know have been, we had a meeting just before Christmas with not only the elders, but others uh, in leadership here and involved in that. And, uh, we all felt we were, we were unified in feeling this was God's blessing to us to give this piece of land. So it's our intention to buy that land, to close the deal we have until the end of January or so to do that. But, uh, but I just want to thank you for praying. We felt in complete unity that this was God's um, direction for us. I shared a few weeks ago that when I've told people this, that God had gifted us with this, I got two reactions. One was, wow, that's amazing. And the second was some horror story they'd experienced about a building project in a church. 
And uh, I, I think I told you that that was, uh, it was a little hard for me because I'm somewhat reluctant to enter into these kind of things because I don't want to enter into a thing where this becomes the focus of our church or we enter into some crushing debt and they tell me stories about hurt feelings or people who had sort of too much ownership over the church or maybe their frustrated expectations. It wasn't like they thought it would be, you know, all these things. And so I could feel in my spirit that sort of reluctance, that kind of fear and doubt of, wow, Lord, I don't want to enter into this. And so I spoke to that a few weeks ago and just challenged us that here's my contention. If God has called us to do something, he's called us to do it in his way. And so I don't see any reason why if this is God's blessing for us, that the process shouldn't end up, end up with us being more unified, more in awe of God's provision, and more on the same page than when we started. And I don't really care if that hasn't been your experience before in other churches, that I'm committed to trying to walk through this where this isn't a time of dread, but a time of joy. So as we do that, I thought this Psalm 127 was going to be particularly meaningful and relevant. I don't think this is going to be easy. Right? If any of y'all have ever been through a large project like this, I think you're fooling yourself. Some of y'all in CCA and having been at other churches have been through building projects, and it's, it's not easy. But let me give you a scripture that God gave me this week as I was continuing to pray about this. That we, we are going to get the opportunity to live out Philippians 2 because it says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. And this is going to mean in considering others' opinions about buildings and land more important and more interesting than your own. And so for us, as we begin this process, I want us to look at Psalm 127 because can I tell you that the house we're going to build is not going to be whatever prop, whatever building ends up over there. The house we're building is right here, right now. That hopefully will house the house, right? But that ain't the house of the Lord. Listen to the scripture. If you got your Bible open to Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Three things I want to say about this first verse. Every one of us has houses to build, and they aren't the physical structure. You're building a place for God to dwell. Primarily, that's going to be in your spirit and in your heart. You're building a place for God to dwell. And if you try to do it in your own strength and on your own power, you're building in vain. The second part of the first verse is sort of a similar tag to that. If, unless the watchmen, right, if they try to stay awake without the Lord, they're watching in vain to guard the city. Every blessing that this church has and that you have as an individual and as a family, we have got to acknowledge is from God's hand. And if we think we've built it, if we think we've done this in any way, shape, or form, and we remove God from this equation, 
Bible says we're sunk. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain who build it. There's going to be a lot of labor between now and the, whenever we enter a new building. There's going to be a lot of prayer for unity. It's going to be a lot of discussion with teams of people who are going to make a lot of decisions. There's going to be money spent. There's going to be a lot of, of things done. But if this becomes our focus, if the project of building becomes our focus, that's not the house God's called us to build. It's going to be built. It's, be, it's been built here and across the world. Every day we're building the house of the Lord here in the relationships in our heart, in our lives, and with each other. Let me read you the real house that we're building from 1 Peter 2. As we come to Jesus, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves are the living stones. You're being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. Some of y'all are building businesses. Some of y'all are building family relationships and working on broken relationships. Some of y'all are building houses in your community and bridges with neighbors and friends. But that it's not the outward structures that are going to matter and last forever. It's as, we, it's as we build these things as unto the Lord and focusing on, Lord, what is it that you are building in our midst? The structures that house those things are great and grand, but they aren't the thing itself. Because everything lasting in life flows out of relationship, first with God and then out of each other. Now, the second one is the hardest one for me. Verse 2 says this, it's vain that you rise up early and go to late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. I've shared with this uh, here before, but my uh, one of my great ways I know that I'm being challenged is I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm fretful, and I just I just can't get back to sleep because I got so many things turning and tossing and turning in my mind, and it's I. I try to remind myself, Lord, I know you want me to go to sleep, and then I get anxious about not sleeping. And so one of the ways that we know that God's working in our heart and life is that we evidence a posture of trust in times of chaos and in times where things are really upset in your world, that the evidence, you may be able to sleep just fine, but inside you're roiled up. So what I want to say is this, Psalm 121, few, a few psalms before this one, I want you to listen to these words. I lift up my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He won't let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord's your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth. 
God's awake all night. You don't have to be. And I don't have to be. And I'm trying to remind myself of that. So listen to this, because I feel like this is a word for at least somebody here in addition to me. If you will go to bed and go to sleep, and I sort of mean that metaphorically because it might not just be sleeping, but if you're working at your job, whatever it is, the place where you're tempted to worry and the place where you're tempted to fret, God can do more while you are asleep trusting him than you can do getting up at 4 a.m. and going to bed at 11 and working, working, working. Now, is it going to take work to get things accomplished? It is. But God's better at your job than you are. Okay? He's better at my job than I am. And the Scripture would counsel us that it's not wise for us to go to get up early and go to bed late because what we'll end up eating is the fruit of anxious toil God's intention is for us to eat the fruit of obedience, which is delicious. The fruit of anxious toil doesn't taste so good. God can do more while you sleep trusting him than you can with your best efforts alone and hoping somehow God would add to them. The third point of this psalm talks about children being a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of our womb. And like arrows in the hands of a warrior, what we send out. Now, there's the literal meaning of, of children are a blessing from God, and that's absolutely true. But also, this is talking about the fruit. You know, we do our part in children, but really God is the one that is in charge of our children and makes all this happen. And the fruit of our labor as a church won't be that building. The fruit of our labor as a church will be people who don't know God and who are dead, but who come alive because of you guys and because you share your faith and your life with your friends, your classmates, your workmates, and that there are now adopted children in the kingdom that weren't there before. Because if we're going to impact our world, I can guarantee you in our culture, nobody's going to look and say, oh, Praise God, another church has a building. <laughs> They're just not. But I'll tell you that if you and I will care for people who are broken and people who don't know which way to go and we really come alongside them and befriend and aid people, that building that's being built will change lives and change the world. The... 11th chapter of Genesis, to me, is a perfect picture of Psalm 127. The 11th chapter of Genesis begins as the children of the earth say, let's build a great building. Let's build a building that will really wow them. That will be just awesome. And let's make sure that this building is something that people remember. And it was a tower, and it was called the Tower of Babel. And they thought it was going to be the most awesome building project they'd ever seen. And they said in verse 4, Let's build the tower and the city with the top in the heavens, and we'll make a name for ourselves. We know, most of you know how that story ended, right? 
Because unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain to do a great work. The end of chapter 11, there's a guy that without much fanfare, the son of a guy named Terah, and all this guy does is trust God and have children. And his name is Abram. And he changes a world because through the fruit of the womb, the entire earth is blessed. And why is that? Because Abram, rather than saying, let's make a name for ourselves and let's do great stuff, he says, you know what, God? I, I believe you, you're God and you're real and you can do in my infertile body that you can produce children and you can make something good happen. Can I challenge you this morning that I know we work really hard and we're going to work really hard in a lot of areas. Can I challenge us to spend as much time resting and trusting God as we work really, really hard and see what he might do as we become his beloved and sleep well? And as we see the children come, Yes, literally, but also figuratively, metaphorically, as we see the fruit of God's blessing in our lives. Let me close by reading what uh, I felt God had spoken to me this week, a portion of which I think might be appropriate for more than just me. As I do, if you've been a, hear, heard me do this before, I try to caveat this. I write uh, often in first person, God writing to me. I, Believe me, I know this isn't scripture. I know God's not talking to me in literal terms like I don't look at this as the Bible, but it's going to read like God speaking it directly to me. So just a little bit of poetic license in that. I also know that um, this isn't for everyone. I'm not saying this is God's word for you. I don't. The Bible is God's word for you. But if, if any of this resonates with you and if, if, if you feel the Holy Spirit, there's a word called quick, uh, an old English word to quicken. If the Lord makes real to you, then take it and test it. First Corinthians 14 says we should earnestly desire to prophesy for a word of consolation and comfort. And that every believer should, should feel like he's a conduit of God's voice. So um, those caveats, I'll just read it as I have it. And I'll make this available if someone wants to read it. Like if you think, oh, I want to hear that again, then... You can either go to the, it's being taped, so you can either listen there, or it'll be in written form somewhere. So, I'm calling you, this is to me, I'm, I, the Lord, I'm calling you to obey me before you understand why you should. I'm calling you to obey me before you feel like obeying me. Remember my word, if you love me, obey my commandments. Be prepared. I'm going to call you to stop working when you don't see how your job will get done if you don't do it and don't work really hard. I'm going to call you to trust me and trust others even though I know you're nervous about it. I'm going to call you to participate in some things that are completely out of your comfort zone but will allow you to see my undeniable hand of power. I'm going to call you to give of your time and your resources when you think the cupboard is bare. Remember, obedience must precede understanding and feeling. But if you obey, you will experience my life in you.
So I offer that. If that speaks to anyone, praise God. If not, just it's fine. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we're family, and as families, we, we share uh, these directions and these things that you've given us. And Lord, as we as a church body endeavor now to strike out in this new way and with this new project ahead of us, Lord, would you please keep in mind that we're building the house now before we ever lay a brick pour concrete before we put up a stud or a piece of drywall Lord we're building the house because Lord you're building a house that's going to stand forever with living stones and Lord it's in the way that we're going to build this physical house that will honor you Father teach us to walk humbly with you through this process. Lord, I pray that you would speak to and minister to the leadership as decisions have to be made and others who will be in that procedure and that you'd give us the ability to trust those who you've put in positions of leadership. Lord, we're going to make the best decisions we can at every turn and we ask that we would rest and trust you to provide, even as we, we do work hard, Lord, but that you teach us to sleep because we're your beloved. Father, we thank you that you have made all things possible by your death, and that this morning as we share these symbols as to end the year, Lord, to share this most precious sacrament that reminds us that at the cross, Lord, we all come. We all must fall down and be broken by the cross. And that it's not our gifts or our talents, our abilities that are anything, but it's our willingness to trust and accept you and see how much you love us. Lord, for it was on the night that you were betrayed that you took bread. And when you'd given thanks, you broke it. And you gave it to your disciples and you said, take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. And after supper, you took a cup of wine. When you'd given thanks, you gave it to them and you said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. For we eat the bread and drink the wine. We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus, you made life come out of death because you submitted to your Father's will and you obeyed before you understood. Even though you would have preferred the cup to pass by you, you said, not what I will, but what you will. Lord, would you teach us to walk in that maturity and obedience to say the same thing? Not what I will, but what you will. And Lord, if it's costs us something, Lord, we know it costs you so much more than we could ever think or imagine. So Lord, for the joy set before you, you endured the cross, despising the shame, 
but Lord, looking forward to the salvation that would be ours through your sacrifice. So we thank you and we praise you and we receive this with humility and joy that the God of the universe in human form, in the form of his son, would die for us. Oh Lord, amazing love, how can it be? And yet we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen.